got a short word. Ha <laughs> ha. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I've got three scriptures. Does that help? And um, tonight, just to look at quickly, and then we're going to pray. Okay, 1 Samuel 13. Strange place to start. God's just uh, this morning was speaking to me about being hard pressed. And um, just going to start here in verse 1. Saul was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned over Israel 42 years. Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel. 2,000 were with him at Michmash and in the hill country of Bethel, and the 1,000 were with Jonathan at Gibeah in Benjamin. The rest of the men he sent back to their homes. Now, do you remember that Saul hid at first? Yeah, because he didn't want to be king, he hid. Really interestingly, Michmash means hidden. So he was hiding with his army. Now, you can decide whether that is a good thing, because he was hiding his army from the Philistines. Was he actually hiding away? I don't know. But I just find it interesting what the names of these towns mean. Uh, Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots. 6,000 charioteers and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, When I saw that the men were scattering, and that you did not come at the set time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favour. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. 
Then Samuel left Gilgal and went up to Gibeah and Benjamin. And Saul counted the men who were with him. They numbered about 600. So here was Saul surrounded by this Philistine army that was as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Well, I've just had a nice beach holiday. And little grains of sand are really annoying, aren't they? They get between your toes and you, you can't put your... If you get your feet wet and then you get sand and then you can't put your sandals on to walk across the road to get to your car. You know, silly little things. And you have to hoover the car out and you have to shake out your swimming costumes, don't you, and your towels because they're full of little grains of sand. So what did they see? They saw the enemy and they saw this is too much and sometimes we are hard pressed and I don't know about you but we're in a situation where we're waiting for something to happen we're waiting for God so here was Saul and he was waiting for Samuel to come they were hard pressed and they started to hide hide away and do you ever find yourself in a situation where you, you feel hemmed in and stuck and you don't know, how do I get out from this situation? There are things that go on in our life and it's like I was thinking about the miming artist, you know, who stands there and, you know, you can't see it. <laughs> Not very good. Perhaps I ought to do the face. <laughs> but you know that's sometimes how we feel totally hard pressed but what did he do instead of waiting for Samuel instead of waiting for God instead of waiting for the burnt offering what did he do he went and did it himself he relied on himself and he tried to work it out He was like, right, I've got to get this offering done. Because if I get this offering done, then it's all going to work out. And sometimes we don't wait and we're not patient enough to wait for God. God has said a lot of promises for this church. And a lot of promises for maybe, you know, you're waiting for promises that God has spoken to you. And the question is, are you going to give up? Are you going to go and hide away? Because, you know, there are times when I want to go and hide away. Because I think, are we ever going to see these things happen? These words that God has spoken. Are we nuts to declare this? I'm going to be really honest here. Are we nuts to declare some of the things that we say? Do we really believe that God what God has said about this church? And the answer is yes. Should I go and hide away? No. Should I wait patiently? Yes. And what is God saying to you? Should we wait patiently? And the answer is yes, because God will turn up. But I want to look at another person in a a different situation, but similar. If you go to Philippians...
Philippians 1. And this is Paul speaking, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So here we have Paul. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So how many of us would say being thrown in prison, being put in chains, has advanced the gospel? When things happen to us, would we say it advances the gospel? As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Wow. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition and not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. I eagerly expect and hope that in, uh, I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn, or it says, I am hard-pressed between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Paul had learned, and we've seen this before in other stories, the secret of how you live your life is to rejoice. Is to rejoice whether you're in chains, whether you're sick, whether you have no money, whether... Um, your relationships with people aren't going well. Whatever is going on in your life, the secret is to rejoice. Because that is what people see. So there's that. We've been talking about the love, haven't we? Loving, loving people. But when they look at you and they look at those situations that you're going through, what do they see? 
Do they see you rejoicing? Do they see the way that you handle it? Because when you're hard pressed, are you going to keep rejoicing? And it's a lot to do with, with, you know, with what's going on inside of you, with your soul. Because we are body, soul and spirit, aren't we? And if I came up to you and said, how are you? We usually answer on a very um, natural level. And we say, well, you know, my knees hurt today or um, maybe my head hurts or this isn't going. And you talk about a situation, you know, well, this isn't going on at the moment very well. But that's just the physical side. That's just the physical side. What about what's going on with your soul and with your spirit? And I was reading about this uh, preacher and he was in his 80s. And somebody asked him, how, how are you? And he said, well, he said, my physical body is decaying. It's uh, not doing very well. My eyesight is getting less. And he said, but how am I? I am very well. And he was talking about his soul and his spirit. And it made me think about myself and what I'm declaring myself. You know, when you come and ask me, how am I? Actually, I'm body, soul and spirit. I'm not just body. Actually, I'm more soul and spirit because the spirit of God dwells in me. So where I am at with God... That is really where I am at. Okay? Not what you see, but what's going on inside of me. So if you say, Claire, how are you? Well, today, I am very well. And I am really excited about this coming week and what God is going to do. And this, I don't know what has happened since yesterday and today, but somehow there's this bubble of joy that has just risen inside me about this whole week ahead. And I have to confess that I've been, we've had this prayer and fasting and I've been waiting for this to happen. And suddenly, right at the end, it's like, yeah, come on. God has got some amazing stuff stored up for us and I am well, I am excited. I am, God is good. I'm victorious. You know, it's welled up. And that's what people need to see when we're facing situations. And um, let's just go to Romans 8. Verse 20. I know it's, I'm reading chunks of scripture, but I think you all know by now I like reading chunks of scripture. It says, verse 28, And we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? 
who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. The enemy can fire his fiery darts. But I have this that says no. And I'm going to stand firm. And, you know, we've been hearing a lot about love. But we also need to stand firm in what God has called us to.